Welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, E.K. Wimmer. I'm Mariah Rose. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. If this is your first time, this is a podcast about the 80s and 80s-related stuff. If you are returning, thanks for coming back, and you will probably have noticed, maybe, I mean, it seems like nobody noticed, but we did miss a couple weeks there due to many unforeseen circumstances. I wouldn't say I missed it. We needed a little break. Well, we had family come stay with us, and but this family in particular, when they visit, they really take over, and it's yeah. hard to get anything done. And we had planned on recording beforehand, but didn't get around to it. And then as soon as they were gone, it was like, we got to record an episode. And that night, our garbage disposal went out, and it causes big leak everywhere. And then I was like, "Never mind." It's just so a, a time. That's the way life goes sometimes. Needless to say, I have been recording several episodes of podcasts, just not for this one. <laughs> um, I would like to thank our buddies. We have, you know, a lot of podcast friends and family out there. And I joined our guys over at Bad Taste Video Podcast again. Um, I guess it would have been maybe two weeks ago now. I'm not sure when this, based on when this airs, uh, for an episode of the Polonio Brothers film Bad Magic, which is one of my very favorites. <laughs> um, that was a lot of fun. We did a live Twitch stream. I've never done a live show like that. With Was with, it stressful? It's just weird because I don't like being on camera, but it was fun. We were among friends. Okay. <laughs> so thanks to Bad Taste as always. They're always a blast to... To talk with and hang out with. And then I just got done recording a guest spot on another show, uh, Friends of Ours Reconcinimation. I come back on their show many times and we just did a really fun one, but I can't announce it yet because I don't know when it's going to air. They, unlike us, are like super professional when it comes to their production. <laughs> and they have every episode pre-planned for like the whole year well we've done it but we get we don't ever stick to it every time so john uh from reconcinimation every time he invites me on he'll send he'll let me know their schedule coming up what episode would i be interested in coming on and then he sends me the production notes and everything like they're like adults and then there's us what i have typed <laughs> notes right here listen to my papers typed okay Anyway, that was a lot of fun too. So, <laughs> so I've been busy doing the rounds again. I always love when people ask me to to come on and and do some some guest spots on other podcasts. You're a social butterfly. It's funny because you're really the introvert in this relationship, very seriously, and yet you're out socializing all the time. It's because I talk to people who do podcasts. You don't, so don't you don't get to invited anybody. to do anything. Oh, I'm not I'm not complaining. I'm just saying you're out there socializing. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, what's been going on with you? Well, as you said, we had my brother and his family visit. They have two young girls, and they are uh, real guests. They let them make themselves at home, and it's great. They actually left their dog with us. Yeah, oh, yeah I forgot to mention that. They're traveling. So they're going to be traveling almost the entire summer. So they we already have like a million dogs here anyway. And I was like, what does it matter? He's small and he's old. And so now we have another dog who just follows me around. So every room I'm in, I have lots of dogs staring at me. I love him. He is so cute. And <laughs> yeah. I was a little apprehensive as to how he would fit in with all the other animals. But 
And he's like a little buddy right now. Yeah, he's great. He's, he's just so old and cute. He is. He's like a chihuahua. And I normally am not so much of a chihuahua person, but he's different. He's different than most dogs. He doesn't have stupid chihuahua energy. No, he's just a confident little guy. And I would normally say sorry to people with chihuahuas, but I'm not going to apologize. No. Chihuahuas suck. but They're better than Pomeranians. That's true. Yeah, it could be worse. Oh, and we've angered so many people right now. Yeah, unfollow, I've... unfollow. <laughs> One star reviews. Right. Actually, I'd be pretty happy if we got a one star review and it was because we dissed Pomeranians. <laughs> well, I mean, they're almost a dog, so it's fine. No, it was good to have them. But yeah, we're, we're trying to get back on track. I've also been busy. As I mentioned, you know, I had my new album. It was originally going to be a, an EP, then it expanded to an album. And then as of recently, even though the whole thing's recorded and being mastered, I kind of had a last minute decision to cut the biggest track the epic grand finale track that's 10 minutes long so that'll take the running time back down to an ep so to be continued up and down up and i down. just gotta trust your gut on those releases and then before we get started the other thing i wanted to mention is you know me i, I love um creating more social media obligations for myself <laughs> <laughs> but I have a tape page at Arg the Awful. I've had it for years and I just have become very bored with it. It's just, it's not working for me. And the whole scene's kind of, I'm just not interacting as much and my interests aren't really there. But I love, as everybody knows, post apocalyptic movies of all sorts, not just VHS, but, you know, anything mm-hmm. related to that subject books and DVDs and everything. So this has been a long time coming, but I finally decided to create an account dedicated to all things post-apocalyptic film. And it's super, super fun. So it's called Renting the Apocalypse. And if you're interested in that world or you know somebody it is, go follow it. But it's basically just a celebration of movies and behind the scenes and miniatures and costume designs and just cool stuff that goes into creating the genre of post-apocalyptic and dystopian film. So is it, is it all old? No, it goes all the way. I mean, I just talked about Doomsday not too long ago. It'll go all the way up Doomsday to right is now. Doomsday pretty old. Um, yeah, I'm going to talk about Mad God and pretty soon. Okay. So no, I left it open ended. Why it's called Renting the Apocalypse is because it's about movies, but it's about any kind of format. You know, so I, I didn't want to do this thing where I got immediately stuck in VHS again because there's a lot of great post-apocalyptic films that never got VHS released mm-hmm. they came out afterwards or that are coming out right now. So I just wanted to keep it really open-ended. Okay. Yeah, so it should, it should be fun, but I'm having a blast. I'm kind of like loving my collection again, and I'm having a voice for all this nerdy information that I put together, and who knows what, where it'll take me. So if somebody knows of podcasts that are out there and they need somebody to come on and talk about the post-apocalyptic angle, maybe I'll get into that. Who knows? We'll all see. All right. Anyway, that's it from this end on, I felt like, you know, missing a couple weeks. We had a lot to fill people in on. Yeah. And you know what occurred to me? What? This is going to be our first year of podcasting where we have central air. So for for <laughs> oh, years. Man, game changer. I know. For years, people have heard us complaining about being so hot. And last year, our swamp cooler went out too. So we were just like sweaty for months. That was miserable. And then we got central air, and it's a miracle. I feel really high class. Yeah. I feel like I should be wearing a turtleneck and drinking with my pinky sticking out. I sometimes just walk around the house to go look at the unit outside. I'm like, that's nice. Yeah. I bought a (laughs) a 
Wagner record at the thrift store <laughs> the other day just to put on. So we could put on, you know, Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, well, that's enough of that. This week, we have one that's a little different from what we normally cover, but I've got really good memories with it, and we'll get into that. We are covering an 80s comedy. We don't do a lot of 80s comedies. No, because they're all kind of the same. <laughs> well, we'll see. This one's really a game changer in, in original plot devices. Okay. That was a joke. <laughs> all right. This week, we are discussing the 1987 uh, warm weather comedy... <laughs> Summer school. You know what we need? I mean, besides bread. We need a woman to appreciate what we have to offer. Freddie Shoot loves to cut class. Hates to do homework. Lives for summer vacation. Look, Freddie. You're a semi-charming guy and a real snappy dresser. You're just not the kind of guy I date anymore. Yeah? What kind of guy you date now? Oh, the kind who wears socks. And the only reason he hasn't been expelled yet is because he's the gym teacher. Oh, Mr. Shoop. At Oceanfront High. Congratulations. You've been chosen to teach summer school. No, I'm not a real teacher. That's all right. These aren't real students. They're unmotivated, irresponsible, not too bright. They'll relate to you. You in this class, too? Mm-mm. I'm teaching it. No way! Right off the bat, you show them who's in charge. Hmm? Please take your seats. Where should we take them? Who is in charge? I recommend this time, I pass. You're gonna do well, Jerome. I can feel it. I've seen some of your students. Very scary. There's a very valid reason for summer vacation. The human brain needs rest. I know you guys aren't exactly fired up about English, but we're stuck here. We're trapped like rats. Tension breaker had to be done. Mark Harmon. You need an intelligent, sensitive man who can skate. Kirstie Allen. Do you know such a guy? Oh, they're hard to find. In the Oceanfront High Summer School Class of 87. They're as smart as you and me. You and I. All of us. Paramount Pictures presents a new film by Carl Reiner. Summer School. I love this film. It had passion. Lucky spirit. Dave, I agree with you. Thumbs up from me. Same here. To sum it up, I'm Chainsaw. I'm Dave. We'll see you at the movies. Okay, summer school. Was this a first time watch for you? Yes. Have I ever mentioned it to you in the past? Probably. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, so I knew you didn't it ex- know about it at all. I knew it existed. I've seen the cover with the dog and Mark Harmon. <laughs> with the shades? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty and, good. And I was like, there it is. <laughs> okay, but yeah, it just never came on. No. It seems like a USA movie that would come on. It was not a USA movie, nor an Up All Night movie, so I never saw it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you? What's your story? I definitely have a, a lot of nostalgia for this one. Oh. As I've mentioned several times, you know, our first batch of VHS growing up was my dad got his co-worker to bootleg a ton of films, brought home a VCR, brought home a bunch of recorded movies. That's where I first saw Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4 and Escape from New York and all these classics that I love, Clash of the Titans, and this was one of them, was Summer School. And I watched it a lot. I thought it was funny. And mainly because I'm not a huge 80s comedy guy, but I loved horror and I love special effects. And as we'll get into, two of the characters in here 
have a real love for 80s horror mm-hmm. and special effects. And I immediately was drawn to those two characters, as I think most people my age with similar interests, probably that was the the hook that brought people into this film is otherwise it's a pretty run-of-the-mill summer comedy. Yeah. But these two guys really make it a little unique and very fun and quirky. So we'll get into that. But yeah, I watched it a lot growing up and then I really haven't seen it since, man, I don't know, maybe maybe a teenager was the last time I saw it. I don't think you've seen it since we've been together. Yeah, so I was kind of shocked to see how well I remembered it. I mean, Did it everything. hold up for you? Yeah, I was, okay, so I was a little worried about that. This has happened several times with 80s yeah. movies, is you think you remember a movie a certain way, and it does not age well, or it's like wildly offensive in multiple ways. This one surprisingly wasn't. I was ready for it to be pretty offensive. Yeah. It's really pretty innocent and it's, pretty tame overall. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things, but nothing especially nothing. noteworthy. Yeah, nothing that's going to make it be canceled by any means. So I was pleasantly surprised by that. I always am a little worried when we watch these older movies. Oh, I'm yeah. Like, Whoops, I don't remember that scene. This one, no. I mean, apart from the central relation of a student teacher, yeah. I was a little afraid that that was going to be more... Uh, had gone further than I remembered, but it didn't. It really uh, didn't. So that was kind of the only thing I was a little worried about. Okay. Otherwise, no, I, I thought it, it surprisingly did hold up pretty well. Better right. than most, honestly. Yeah, there was nothing that was like wildly offensive, just the usual 80s stuff that you find, but yeah. Yeah, and it's got a good, solid cast. It's well made. You know, it clearly had a good budget. Um, the, the script's easy breezy to follow. It did what it was meant to do. It really, yeah, it really, like I said, it was a very safe summer comedy. So it's kind of a classic, kind of not a classic, but I don't know. I guess I've thought, always thought of it as kind of a classic just because I knew it really well growing up. But mm-hmm. I honestly don't know if a lot of people know this one or not. We'll find out. We'll find out. Let's talk about some of the people involved in this. Um, we'll start with the director. Okay. People will definitely know the name Carl Reiner, actor, director. He's acted in a ton of stuff, a lot of TV, but he was also in the whole Ocean's Eleven franchise and all that. But then he's directed a lot of stuff as well. He also acting a large part of his career is voice acting, which Mm. is interesting. And then directing ton of stuff, but a lot of the bigger ones are like, oh, God. And then your dad, one of your dad's all time favorite movies, The Jerk with Steve Martin. Yeah. So, that probably doesn't hold up. I, I would be willing to bet money on that one, I given haven't the seen premise. It in a long time. But, you know, Carl Reiner, he's kind of a household name, too, from the 80s. The story is by Jeff Franklin. People might know him if you're a huge fan of Full House. He was the creator of that. So oh. that was kind of his claim to fame. Oh, yeah. And then last on my end that I want to discuss, because even though I had seen this several times, I did not know this name back when I was a kid, like I do now and absolutely love. I was shocked to see that this film score is done by Danny Elfman. Oh, yeah. And I was like, wait, rewind it. What did I just see? I had no clue. He composed this film score. And this is really, really early on. So he's still in Oingo Boingo at this time. He'd done Pee-wee, but this is right before Beetlejuice. So really, this is before he breaks into the mainstream. Um, I was surprised to see that. Uh, Yeah. Great. So very unexpected. Yeah. And just a nice little addition to this cast and crew. Yeah. So should we just jump into the film? 
Yeah, might as well. We're not going to do like a full walkthrough, but we'll just touch on some of the fun parts of it. All right. So this film takes place at Oceanfront High School. You have, dear listener, seen this high school before in like a bazillion movies. It's it's a like own thing. Is it? Because you you said, I think I've seen this quite a few times and yeah. I wasn't sure what it had been in. Uh, Easy A is one. That oh, I, yeah. And right. there's just so many others. Just look it up. It's fine. <laughs> Easy A is a good film. Yeah, it is. I, we watched it not too long ago. Yeah, that one holds up. It's fine. So we tour the school last day of the school year. Our lead, our male lead, Freddie Shoup, is played by Mark Mark Harmon. If you're a boomer, you know and love Mark Harmon. Probably. Yeah, he's a solid actor. Yeah, so he plays a gym teacher, but like a cool surfer kind of gym teacher. And I think that's an important distinction to make, especially for people like us who grew up in the West, but like uh, the Rocky Mountain region of the West, because our gym teachers are jocks that are football jocks yeah our gym teachers are all like friday night lights guys yeah like they hate anybody who is artistic (laughs) or has any creativity yeah like i mean my experience was horrible growing up in a small town in the west with a gym teacher but i would assume living out on the coast yeah that's a good distinction this guy seems like surfer jock yeah cool dude kind of teaching gigs a simple gig he doesn't have to really try too hard he gets his summers off you know that kind of thing yeah so also if you're a gym teacher and you got really offended by that obviously i wasn't talking about you i just imagined a gym teacher (laughs) holding a pomeranian (laughs) and being like that's it i can't take this damn show anymore this was my last chance All right, so Shoup is not exactly invested in his students. He is also ready for summer. It's the last day of school, as I said, before break. So he's checked out just like every teacher in history. But I think he's just sort of that way perpetually. And we just caught him on a normal day. He's ready for summer break. He's going to go to Hawaii with his girlfriend. Apparently leaving straight from school to the airport is the plan. Yeah, why not? But unfortunately for Shoup, the vice principal needs a replacement summer school teacher because the original summer school teacher, who was played by Carl Reiner himself, uh, that teacher won the lottery and quit on the spot. <laughs> I actually really like this setup. is super funny to me. Yeah, because he didn't win an insane amount either. No, but he like, won enough good. to give the middle finger to his teaching job. <laughs> he was like, I'm out of here. And Find somebody else to deal with summer school. Totally. And all of the other teachers are, it's like the uh, they see the shark coming and they just jump ship or whatever. That was a, a bad comparison. But they all escape as the vice principal is looking for somebody to replace. Oh, yeah everybody's trying to duck and dodge to not be tagged as the person who has to do summer school. So this leaves Shoup as the last man standing. He just didn't see him coming. And <laughs> he, he like is, jumps in a bush or something like that. <laughs> he's forced into staying or possibly losing his option to have tenure later. So he's he's really backed into a corner and has to cancel his Hawaii trip. And apparently that's it. The girlfriend's like, well, goodbye. Oh, yeah. She wastes no time. She's like, well, have fun teaching. I'm off to Hawaii. So he's newly single and now he's going to teach summer school. Let's skip ahead to our first day of summer school where Shoop meets our lady love interest, Robin, played by none other than big hair, big, bigger shoulder pads, Kirstie Alley. Yeah. Man, she's fun. 
I, you know, I always kind of underestimate how much I like her in a movie. Yeah, I think the problem is she got kind of controversial and shared political opinions near the end of her life. But yeah. <laughs> back yeah. in the 80s, we didn't hear those things. Yeah, and actors we, need to stick to acting. Yeah, just let us look at your shoulder pads. Kind of like when you go to a fun concert and then the musician's like, I'm going to take a minute. Oh. And they start sharing their political views. I'm like, I didn't vote for you. I bought your album. Yeah. Uh, Why? Anyway, you don't have an education. Give somebody a microphone. They're like uh, Adam Sandler and the wedding singer. With I've that... got the microphone. <laughs> and you will listen to every damn word I have to say. And with that said, I think now's a really good time for us to discuss our political views in depth. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Okay. okay. This is now a political podcast. I, I no, kidding. this setup's fun. We've got a, a, Sundays, or a summer school teacher now. And it's sort of going to be like a breakfast club vibe in a way. Oh, for sure. You know, where they're going to put together a group of unlikely misfits that all come together. So this, I, I feel like this is what works at the core of this film is it, it's smart. Yeah. And we've got a little bit of a balancing thing. So Robin here, this girl who he's apparently interested in having just broken up with his girlfriend, she's clearly a serious teacher. And he kind of pretends to be serious at first. And there's a flirtation. Then he goes into his classroom and we realize, oh, yeah, he's not a serious teacher at all. And his students run all over him. A bunch of them just leave. They get, yeah, just disappear and they're not in the movie anymore. One dude who's like a big football jock asks for the bathroom key and he leaves and we don't see him again till the end of the that's, movie. I, one of my favorite little little parts of this film yeah. is when he comes back at the very end with the bathroom key. Yeah, so he has no control, this teacher, and there's a small group that remains. This is our breakfast club kind of core group. It's a surfer chick named Pam who's played by Courtney Thorne Smith who was big but not in anything that I especially watched I think she was in like 90210 yeah she's your basic kind of girl next door babe not like uber babe but yeah kind of California cute babe there's a football player a pregnant girl a nerd a dyslexic student (laughs) yeah (laughs) with undiagnosed dyslexia some guy who's always sleeping uh, at the last minute, an Italian woman comes in who... Oh, the foreign exchange student. I'm She's proud. like the mega babe that comes in. Yeah, so she comes in. She's a mega babe. And I was like, I know that face. Oh, this was hilarious. Is this our this week's fun fact? Or sure. No? Okay. <laughs> So I don't even really know her, this actress's real name, but when you hear the character that she played, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. So I, I saw her and I was like, I know her, I know her, what is she from? And you were like, I don't know. So I had to pause it, looked it up, and it's the actress who plays a lot of vagina. <laughs> Austin Powers. Yes. That is, I mean, I was pretty impressed that you called it. Yeah, it was good. That's, I wish I could have narrowed it down without IMDb, but it was still good. I don't think our listeners realize your memory for random celebrities. Yeah. Like, C-level celebrities, too, cracks me up. Yeah, the I'd... fact that you were able to pull a lot of vagina out of this bit part in an 80s movie was very impressive to me. Thank you. Thank you for those props. I appreciate it. And then we also have two other dudes, the horror guys you mentioned before. Their names are Dave and Francis, but Francis is actually called Chainsaw. Yeah, and Chainsaw is played by Dean Cameron, who 
in the 80s was, you know, a pretty, pretty well-known, fun actor. He did three movies in a row that I absolutely love. Well, or at least really like, I should say. He did this one. He did Rockula. He was the lead in Rockula. Mm. And then he was also in one that we've never done, but I think is really cool, called Bad Dreams. I don't think I've seen it. It's good. We should watch it sometime. I think you'd like it. It's kind of, you know, writing the coattails of the whole Freddy nightmare genre. Okay. But it takes place in kind of an insane asylum. And it's, again, like a Nightmare on Elm Street where it's a cast of young teens that are all there. Maybe I have seen it. Really cool. Yeah, I actually like it. And I watched it again not too long ago. And I liked it even more than the last time I saw it. So, But he was in a string of of pretty solid films from the 80s. He's always fun. He's he's a great actor. He's great. Yeah. And and he does his part well in this film. Oh, yeah. So back to Shoop, who simply doesn't care. He's just hanging out with his students while they're taking field trips to the beach, going to other fun places. Obviously, the vice president or vice president, vice principal busts them after a while because they're just like signing field trip slips and yeah, going they're just off. doing anything they want but learning. And he threatens to fire Shoop unless the students pass this test that's coming at the end of the summer. And I want to actually pause here and mention I had a teacher like Shoop, not cool and fun, but a teacher who asked our class, do you guys even care about learning? And all of my fellow classmates shouted, no, and he stopped teaching. Yeah, I mean, especially in high school. Oh my gosh, that's so that's horrible. not uncommon. I mean, I had a teacher who just actually put like Jack Daniels in his coffee cup and then mm-hmm. just checked out for the day. That's so, so wild. It so, is pretty wild. It seems crazy, but also totally believable. My teacher let me organize log rolling competitions in that class. Yeah, you know, and even though this is a comedy and it's really goofy, I do think the thing that is well done with the the character itself and the development of the character is it's very believable that a guy who just has a kind of sweet gig teaching and has to doesn't really do anything gets stuck having to teach summer school and makes no effort it just wants to kind of get it over with Mm -hmm. but then somewhere along the line realizes and you know maybe i should actually put a little effort in his whole demeanor and the way he tries to kind of relate to his students as just being a cool guy, but then realizing that he does kind of have an obligation to these kids. I I feel like there is some sense of truth in that because I have had teachers who maybe got a little too casual and cool and then also tightened ship on us a couple times. And you'd come in the next day thinking you could get away with something and you can tell they must have had some moral dilemma that night over dinner with their wife or something we're like whoops maybe i'm letting these kids get a little too comfortable so i do think that the arc that he has in this film although it's very you know superficial and simple it's very believable that this kind of teacher would you know have this experience and i think that we should be clear he didn't really have a moral dilemma here he just said oh no i'm gonna lose my job i better start teaching these students yeah that's, we, that's the i mean he dilemma. really his hand was forced but then he maybe started to see the positive aspects of being a teacher he's growing he's, he's growing. growing in this experience so wanting to keep his job he decides to kind of do it he bribes his students and tells them he will do each of them a favor if they also agree to learn 
So you basically now have the full scope of this movie. The favors for these students are he goes to Lamaze classes with a pregnant girl. He has to give driving lessons to the dyslexic girl. He's going to let the horror guys, one of them wants to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre at school and the other wants to host a party at Shoop's house. Yeah, it's like beach house. Yeah, that's good. And then, uh, weirdly, he agrees to let Pam live with him, basically as his wife at one point. <laughs> that's well, so questionable. Not as his wife. She just doesn't have anywhere to stay. And he, which is, yeah, definitely a weird, weird moment in the film that he recognizes right away, as does everybody around him. So... You know, I mean, I can see that, too, is this it's teenage creepy. student having a crush on her cool teacher. But I also this is another thing that I like about this film is this is a clever way to separate the characters and give them individual personalities, because usually when you have a film that's just a class full of students, it's hard to give them something that makes them unique. So mm-hmm. this makes them into characters. You know, one is. The pregnant girl. Well, the one that we haven't discussed th- that falls asleep throughout class has yes. a hilarious backstory that we don't learn until later. Yep. Meanwhile, Robin, the teacher, is also casually dating the vice principal. So she's just kind of on the market. There, she's not exclusive with the vice principal, but she's also kind of rejected Shoot because he's not serious. So she's interested in Shoot, but with the VP... And she's helping Shoop learn how to teach, which I I can't see that being an attractive thing. But she apparently loves being able to teach a teacher to teach, <laughs> which she should have learned in college, but whatever. And so they're starting to build a, a friendship. And there are a lot of antics that happen. My favorite, and you kind of hinted at it, is that we discover the sleepy guy who's always sleeping in class, is sleepy for a reason. And that's because he's a male stripper. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And he works nights. Yeah, he works nights. So he's like a Chippendale dancer. <laughs> and that's why he's been sleeping through class every day. I think that's really funny because you don't know that for a long time. You just think his thing is that he's just always tired. Yeah. But I do like that they introduce that halfway through the film is the reason is because he's this like super ripped stud who's in a G-string stripping in clubs every night. And I think we can just spill the whole story right now because he eventually has to quit because his aunt French kisses him because he's got like a mask or something on. And his mom puts money in his G-string before they discover that it's him and he's forced (laughs) to quit and just regularly go to summer school. That's pretty funny. So, yeah, there's lots of antics uh, like Shoop takes the rap for the two horror dudes and goes to jail for them. Yeah, because they're just sitting there drinking in the park and some cops come up and bust them and they, you know, don't know how to get out of it. And so he takes the, the fall and goes to jail. There's also a lot of, as I've mentioned, really the best part of this film for me are all the little parts when when Chainsaw and his buddy like do kind of recreations of special effects and stuff like that. And it all leads up to a big one. Shoop is exchanging, teaching them in favor. You know, they'll they'll pay attention if he helps them with all these little things like you mentioned. And at one point, he kind of loses his cool. And this is the a, a moment in the film where he has this breakdown where he says, nobody cares. And, you know, you guys don't care about anything. And I don't care about you. And let's just call it a day. He quits. And he quits. And when he quits, 
the vice principal, who's this real jerk, brings in a replacement and the class does not want the replacement mm-hmm. to stay there. And so in this grand moment, like the best moment in the whole film is the whole class bands together. And when the teacher walks in, walks upon a horror movie scene where they're all, they all look like they've been killed. They're hanging, they're cut apart, yeah. their eyes are hanging out because Chainsaw and him did like all these It's like a special, special effects, effects workshop. And it's just so much fun. Like it's a really fun scene. Mm-hmm. You know, at one point when they get busted, because the vice principal comes in and busts them. You know, one of them pulls out their eye and it's on the end of a pencil and it yeah. takes a bite of it. You know, it's just <laughs> funny. It's it's kind of the classic moment. If you've seen this film, this is what you remember. Yes. And I want to say, I think that I'm showing my age here, but I'm like, is that vice principal really a jerk? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, he's tightly wound for sure, but he's just trying to do his job and get students to pass yeah and find somebody to teach them and he's just trying to make shoop do his job yeah but maybe he's not doing it in the kindest way he's not cool yes like shoop but shoop's not doing any anybody any favors too he's short changing them that's right but everything's gonna come (laughs) together at the end (laughs) i'm old so there's not a lot to the film apart from no funny moments here and there And really what we're doing is following this group of people who have basically been given up on and Shoop sees the potential in them and nurtures them and tries to like get them to pass this big test so that they can succeed and not fail. Right. And after this attempt to replace him fails, the replacement is horrified by the horror workshop that happened and they leave and Shoop it comes back. Yeah. Meanwhile, Robin decides that the vice principal is also terrible. So she dumps him. So she's single and ready to mingle. If only Shoop can get it together enough to show that he's a serious teacher too. So he's newly matured. There's been an arc of maturation over the course of the summer. And we're coming to the conclusion with a serious study sequence montage where the students prepare in earnest. The stripper is now active and engaged he's not sleeping everybody's ready they all take the test our this pre- is where we get the guy from the very beginning of the yeah. film <laughs> walks back in with the bathroom key <laughs> yeah. and sits down to take the test so he left the very first day of summer school and he comes back on the very last day to take the test smart it's really funny and the pregnant girl goes into labor and what happens is not everyone passes. It's not just a slam dunk. These are all I mid-level like students. I yeah. think that's a really great part of this film is it's not like they all succeed. But what's really funny about this is the way it's is told. They start reading off the scores and it's like you failed. But then Shoop says, well, hold on a second. And he starts to compare where they were prior to and where they are now. And even though they maybe still failed the test they made a lot of progress within Mm -hmm. their failing grade. And the principal starts to see how well they've come along. So even if they didn't all pass the class, they all kind of achieve some form of success by the end. And that's the moral of the story is that you didn't have to actually pass the class to still accomplish something. Right. And the vice principal is trying to say, look, no tenure for you. You're done here. The parents all step in, too, and they're like, no, our kids are so improved after this one magical summer of, like, 90% nonsense, 10% effort. And the principal sees it and says, actually, 
tenure for you, bud. Yeah. So he gets tenure after doing 10% of his job for one summer. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Sounds about right. Classic high school coach. (laughs) Easy peasy. Now, Shoop gets the girl on the beach, romantic, Mm -hmm. Robin with her shoulder pads that they can make into a raft and float off into the sunset. That didn't really happen. That's how it could have ended. (laughs) Alternate ending. The end. Yeah, no, that is, it really is a straightforward classic comedy, you know, 80s summer antics. That's why I I do think it's a fun watch. It's an easy watch. It holds up. It's, you're not going to be challenged to try and Mm -mm. focus on this, but it also appeals to a wider audience. Um, It came out, had we have recorded this a month later, would have been right on the money, came out July 22nd, 1987. And I don't know what the budget is, but it made 35.7 million bucks. So it's, In 80s dollars, that's too. That's still pretty dang good for a summer comedy. Mm-hmm. And it was it was not well received across the board. That's Some fair. people liked it. A lot of people didn't. My favorite is Roger Ebert gave it <laughs> half a star, Ooh. which I thought was really funny. It's kind of deserving. Yeah. So in all honesty, the film is fun. I like it just because I have nostalgia because I saw mm-hmm. it when I was a kid. I think had I seen it now, it would have been pretty forgettable with a couple funny moments. But it is well acted. All the kids do a good job. Uh, Mark does a good job in his role. I think that the the story moves along really well. You know, you can watch it from beginning to end and you're not really bored by it. Yeah. But when you get done, you're like, okay, so... I don't, I mean, I'm not going to say it's like an incredible gem that people need to seek out, but I would also say if you just like 80s comedies and you haven't seen it, check it out. I mean, it's it's pretty standard. Yeah, it's one you could put on like a, on a slow Sunday afternoon and maybe fall asleep a little way through it. Maybe you wake up and have a margarita. I don't know. Yeah, you wouldn't really miss much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one interesting fact I found out is that there was talk about either like a part two or a reunion and then... I know, like, there's such a demand for that. <laughs> then I found out that, of all people, Adam Sandler's company, Happy Madison, picked up the rights to do a remake in 2012. What? But it never happened. And I just... I Okay, I get remakes, mm-hmm. and I get part twos when people are like, nobody ever liked our film, and now it's a cult following, and we need to do a sequel 40 years later. Mm-hmm. That's always weird, too. I think this had none of that. I, yeah, like I don't see Comic Con, Comic Con conventions lining up. No, to see like demanding a sequel or a remake of Summer School from 1987. No, but maybe they just wanted to make a Summer School, and it was close enough. Their boring storyline was close enough to the original that they were like, maybe we just buy the rights. Yeah. Either way, it's fun to do a summer themed movie going into summer. We don't normally do that, so. No. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a couple more. Seasonal. I don't know what we have planned, honestly. What's even happening? <laughs> Unlike Reconsinimation. We don't have a clue what we're doing. We, we have figure a list. It out. Well, okay. We we had the intention to have a list. I don't know. We're artists. <laughs> right? Don't pin us down. Give us a break. It's a free show. <laughs> we'll figure something out for next time. But we're back. That's your episode this week. I hope you enjoyed it. If you do like this film, maybe revisit it. It's fun. But if you haven't seen it, Give it a watch. It's also really fun. It's an easy, you know, daytime summer watch on a Sunday afternoon. Yes. 
Um, and I just personally really do like some of the characters in this are, are pretty fun and, and stand out. Uh, if you like what you heard, you can check us out on Instagram at Lasergraves. You can follow us there. You can check out any of our back episodes at lasergraves.com. And you can find us wherever you get your podcast. And like I've already mentioned, our other podcast friends out there, give everybody else a listen. Everybody's working hard to get content out to you guys and have fun. Unlike Mark Harmon, who's hardly working. That's right. Are we kind of the Mark Harmons of podcasting? We're I feel like we are. We I feel it. like if there was a photo of us, it would be me with a Hawaiian shirt and mm. you would be like a fun pup with a sunglasses on. <laughs> Rude. No, but like in a playful way. Don't we seem like that? Like, I feel like if you look at the cover of Summer School, you go, that looks like laser grapes. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Okay. Like a beautiful dog. <laughs> Good save. Yeah. You really shooped that one up. Oh, yeah. There you go. Well, that's it for this week. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.